Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Over the Cap podcast. It is January 9th, 2023, and this is Jason Fitzgerald. You can find me on Twitter at Jason underscore OTC, uh, or you can get in touch with me via email, Jason at overthecap.com. As usual, I am joined by Nelly the Bunny. Nelly, anything? Not at the moment. Shocking once again. Uh, Nelly did have a little treat just now, so I'm sure she's happy about that, I guess. Um, so anyway, yeah, doing this on a Monday night again. I uh, wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get one in over the weekend. I was real busy with stuff. And, you know, this is that time of year where you kind of get into certain, you know, certain things outside of OTC, um, you know, on the little bit of the consulting side I do, along with the the regular stuff and now starting to, to make that turn towards updating everything for 2023. So I just ended up having a bunch of stuff to catch up on over the weekend um, and hopefully kind of get back into a regular schedule in the next week or two. Um, we're going to work to update all the numbers for 2023. That means um, updating the per game bonuses, trying to track down as many incentives as we can, uh, whatever type of escalators, any types of changing salaries that might come up. Uh, and doing all that stuff, plus futures contracts will start coming in. Uh, who knows, the teams may have already signed a couple players today. So we will get that all up to date over, you know, over time. Um, I know a lot of people ask questions about the salary cap numbers. Right now, I'm just going with an estimate of 225 on the cap. Um, we'll see where that comes in. That That's where I've been at. That was in line with uh, what they gave as... I guess, very preliminary projections as well to the teams the other week. Um, you know, the whatever range they gave it in, 225 sits nice in there. Uh, the numbers you see on OTC do have some estimated carryover. It has estimated adjustments for some big stuff that I know um, happened over the course of this year. And I'll try to update those adjustments a little bit further as we start getting incentives kind of tracked down a little. Um, you know, and we'll get that all, that, all that stuff that's in there. Remember all this stuff is a snapshot in time. Um, you know, it, it's not until really March where the numbers really start to kind of come into focus. Um, when teams start tendering their players and your franchise tag stuff comes in and everything else. Um, you always have to also just consider with the cap numbers when you see them and you're you're looking at the columns in there that say salary cap space. That's not with a full roster. Remember, these teams, once they do futures, are going to be up to 51 players and minimum salaries have gotten relatively expensive now. So every player is going to cost you next year $750,000. So that cap room, you know, falls significantly. If you want to get a real, a more solid estimate, I guess, of what the team might really be looking to spend. You can look at the effective cap space column. Uh, that actually takes into account just some real rough estimates for the draft classes and what those salaries will be. There's there's some little stuff in the background that's going to go on with the uh, the draft numbers. So I actually I actually keep a separate ledger for that. And that's a little bit different than what you'll see on OTC. But this, this will give you a pretty good estimate to say, okay, this is what we have going into June. Um, you know, what we can probably utilize for next year. Uh, the other question is that there's going to be differences at times between OTC and Spotrack and some other things that you see and you might hear about. A lot of that has to do with timing. Um, there was a big Twitter 
whatever yesterday about uh, the Jets and Lake and Tomlinson. And I think I mentioned it on the podcast here a couple of weeks ago. It was something that I just had wrong. So I just, I, I updated it. Um, the initial reporting on the deal was wrong. And, you know, it was one of those deals that didn't necessarily pass the smell test. So finally I went in and started to try to track down some actual information on it. Got the, you know, the real story of it. So we had a very different number than them. As I said <laughs> during that little episode, um, on Twitter when people were talking about it. Trust me, the numbers will match up because as soon as he feel, uh, he realizes that it's off, he'll just go and he'll fix it. Um, you know, they, they come in, however it is, to uh, to come in and take the numbers, double check the numbers, whatever, however you want to look at it, the numbers eventually do match up, but there will be a disparity between the two over time and... That's the main reason why. Um, while we do fall behind at times, I will almost always say that uh, we're going to be more accurate than anything that you see out there, um, with the exception of occasionally Field Yates will report on cap numbers direct from the NFL. Those will be ahead of us because they obviously they're processing stuff as it comes in and, you know, you don't get wind of that till a day or two after. So whenever he, he puts out those numbers, that's pretty accurate as well. Now, one thing that you also need to know for this time of year, um, the NFL numbers are going to include contracts that are avoiding at a stated number. Um, you know, the prorated number plus maybe even whatever salaries that those players have in there. We, we show those as if the deals are going to void out. Um, to to give a um, a better estimate as to what those numbers will be, and you saw some teams already preparing for that. You know that that disaster that was going to happen with contracts that were going to void or players that are going to be cut or whatever, and they changed the stuff. You know Arizona did it with Hudson and Watt. Uh, the Saints did it. You know as we discussed a long time ago, as the things the Saints had to do, they did it with Michael Thomas. They're setting all these guys up for June one releases, and they're taking that void money that basically would have been there um, in the case of Watt. Uh, Hudson, they took a year off, I think, on the deal. I don't think his deal voided out next year. Michael Thomas's didn't void out, but he was obviously going to get cut. You know, and you save yourself a good amount of money in the process. So the NFL numbers are, are going to reflect something very different than what's actually going to happen. Uh, whenever you see a voided contract on OTC, it's going to show you what will happen when that contract voids unless the team goes in there and does something about it. So in other words... If Tom Brady signs an extension with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, his contract number that we have there is cap figure over $30 million. That'll drop. But if his deal voids out, you know, that's what that number is going to be. But in the NFL numbers, it's probably going to say that he has a salary cap number like $15 million or $12 million or something like that. So it's just things to keep in mind when you see all these different numbers uh, that are floating around this time of year. But we'll, we'll catch up with all that stuff, and I, I guess whenever there's um, bigger discrepancies, I'll try to address it on Twitter. If I get a chance, I'll address it on the website, um, or I'll, I'll talk about it here on the podcast a little bit and uh, see what we can do there. Uh, regular season ended, thankfully. Um, for those of us who are Jets fans, it was uh, go out with a whimper. But the, the most interesting thing that happened was the Houston Texans uh, they go out there and they, they play one of their best games of the year. Uh, coach has to know he's going to get fired. 
So, you know, they, they go out there and go all out to beat the Indianapolis Colts. They do not play for overtime, which is great because nobody wanted to see that. Um, they win the game and they lose the first round, the number one overall pick in the process. And that pick ends up going to the Chicago Bears. And I always find this to be a absolutely fascinating discussion. Um, did a Big stuff on this years ago when Kyler Murray was going to be available to the Arizona Cardinals. Most people thought that there was no chance they would do it. Uh, I thought it made all the sense in the world. By the time I got to the Combine that year, it seemed like it was a given that they were definitely going to do it. Um, you know, when they, they brought in Kyler Murray, I would have gone about it a different way than they did, but they ended up doing it. The initial reaction to the Bears getting the, the draft pick was okay, the Bears are going to get a haul for this pick. You know, the phone lines are open, and they very well might be. But if you're Chicago, this is something you have to think really, really hard about before you just trade that pick away because you have a quarterback on your roster who people like, I guess. Um Kevin Cole on Twitter mentioned it, uh, you know, just as like a, I don't even remember exactly how he posted it. I'm not going to look it up, but it was one of those things where it was like, you know, so the Bears are on, you know, on the clock, on the phone lines or, you know, dot, 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 you know, obviously trying to say, you know, should they be taking a quarterback? Um, you know, which I, I know he would probably say they should be. And I came in with a comment that was like, absolutely, they should be taking a quarterback. Somehow, whoa, that, that tweet took off. It's it's rare to have just a comment on there take off like that. But, man, that took off. And the uh, the Twitter mob was out. <laughs> the Twitter mob is entertaining. You know, some people get very upset with the Twitter mob and the, you know, everything that's, that's, uh, that goes there. I don't. I, I find it amusing. It's, it's not a big deal, right? You know, if people want to disagree with you or if... Uh, you know, people want to jump all over you. You know, you get the, the clown um, pictures and all that. So it's funny. I, I think it's amusing. Um, but I was surprised at how much that took off and how crazy that made me realize that people are going to be with any kind of discussion that takes place between now and, you know, the draft where unless the Bears really do trade out of this thing early, um, you know, the, the way certain uh, certain teams have done, you know, very early in the process. Uh, this is going to be a lot of discussion that I think is going to be really interesting and probably very polarizing. And I would guess it, it's going to fall probably in two extremes. And it's probably going to be the more, quote unquote, analytics approach that is going to be in line with saying you draft a quarterback and it's going to be the more talk show oriented, um, very, you know, media driven, typical stuff, which is just going to say, you know, your standard narrative, oh, you, you trade those picks away and you build around Justin Fields. And I, I don't think there's probably going to be a lot of middle ground that people are going to find, but I think it's a fascinating discussion. And, you know, I... As soon as that happened, I'm like, oh, you know, if I wasn't going to do a podcast, I, I need to get in on this now and, um, you know, just start early on with this. And, you know, I, I think 
we all fall into this trap, and this is a trap that existed in the NFL before 2011. It was a trap that existed in large part because of the finances involved. All right, when you when you drafted your Mark Sanchez's of the world, those cap numbers were so high after that rookie year because of the, the way that the contracts were structured. You didn't really have an option to go in another direction. Um, you basically had no choice but to sit there and try to develop this quarterback over at least a four-year period. And maybe in year four or year five, your option would be, okay, we can bring in a really old, cheaper veteran who could compete with him to, quote-unquote, light the fire under him. You know, that, that kind of nonsense that, that you would hear. That stuff all changed once you took the money out of it. You know, just just as a um, you know, just as an example, let let me pull up Sanchez's if I have it. Um, I probably have Sanchez on the website. I probably have his career history. Let me let me see if I do. Yeah, so Sanchez's cap hits. You know, first year of his contract were very low. In 2011, that jumped to 17.3. That would have been, let's see, 17.3.2011. The cap was about 120, I think. It was probably 120.375, something like that. You know, 14% of the cap, give or take a little bit. It would be the equivalent of a player having about a $33 million cap hit right now. That was Sanchez's third year of his contract. Um, in 2012, he had some escalators that didn't hit. Maybe they could have hit. Uh, he would have had 11, but I had about a 14, um, number on there. And, you know, just to show you how much that changes. So we're talking about a player who in year three, year four, who wasn't really very good. Um, you know, would have had cap hits that would have been the equivalent of having a cap hit now of about $33 million. You know, that, that probably would have been around the, um, for this year, that would put you top 10. You know, the following year, you'd probably be looking at a cap that would be something, maybe $28 million, something along those lines is what those figures would be. And just to put that in comparison, Zach Wilson, who was drafted second overall, his cap hits over the next couple of years are going to be uh, 9.5 and 11.1. So, you know, it, it's so much lower. You're no longer financially held to these players. You know, the, these draft picks, from a financial standpoint, yeah, the contracts are guaranteed. But basically, they're the salaries of what you would be paying, like, a you know, a high-level backup quarterback, if you're talking about a guy at the top of the draft. And in the case of Justin Fields, we're looking at a contract that has cap hits the next two years of five and six million dollars. So this is not the same discussion as Ryan Leaf or Jamarcus Russell or Mark Sanchez or Sam Bradford. Or it is a completely different discussion that we should be having with this group of quarterbacks when they come into the league. The problem is everybody still believes in that old system, which is like, well, you drafted the guy, you got to live with him through hell or high water. Like you've just got to, you got to go with it. But there's nothing that ties you to it 
unless you you have this feeling like okay, if I pull the plug on my quarterback, and this clearly doesn't apply to Ryan Poles because he's not the guy who drafted Justin Fields. You know, if I pull the plug on my quarterback, maybe, maybe, just maybe, I am, you know, I'm firing myself. I am writing myself my own pink slip because I'm telling ownership that I don't know what I'm doing and I need to go in there and um, I just got to make this guy work. I'll get more time if I try to make this guy work. Now, I look at it from the other direction. You know, if Arizona, if Arizona had stayed with Josh Rosen, those guys all would have been fired. So they actually got a significantly longer leash because they drafted a quarterback who was good. Now, Rosen was terrible. Justin Fields isn't terrible. Um, But those are just kind of the examples that you want to look at. And... What you have to realize is that the quarterback is the it's the most important position on the field, and it's not even close. It's like they're the the only correlation there really is to winning. If you look at the quality of the quarterback play that you get in a given year, that's responsible for a lot of your record. All right, now there's ways around it. There are teams that you know are able to kind of work around it, but. For the most part, the level of your quarterback play is going to dictate a good chunk of your record. Um, you know, when you have these elite quarterbacks, you pretty much can pencil yourself down seven, eight wins right off the bat just on the quarterback being healthy. Then, you know, those numbers change based on whether he's has a great year, whether he's got a so-so year, whether he has, by his standards, a poor year, and, of course, the team that you build around him. And your year-over-year success, you know, if you want to look at it that way, it's very quarterback-dependent. You know, the Chiefs have made the playoffs, what, the the last five years in a row. Um, The Bills have made the playoffs the last couple of years in a row. You know, you you look at these teams that are making it. You've got that. You've got the Bengals. um, You know, the Jaguars. Not really a good team, but you got Trevor Lawrence coming along a bit. You had Lamar Jackson for when he was healthy with Baltimore. Chargers with Herbert. You've got Geno Smith had a terrific year in Seattle. Um, San Francisco got good play out of their quarterbacks there. Um, you know, Minnesota got solid play out of Kirk Cousins. Jalen Hurts, you know, Prescott. These are good players, you know, for the most part. Um, you know, and that's what you need to find. Your goal in the NFL is not to be average. Your goal is to be great. And the way that you can ensure greatness is by drafting Patrick Mahomes, drafting Josh Allen, drafting Joe Burrow. Um, you know, I'm not putting Trevor Lawrence in that discussion yet, but you know what? Uh, you can throw him in there and say drafting a Trevor Lawrence kind of prospect, kind of player. You know, that those are the players that put you over the top. The other players, you know, where you mentioned Kirk Cousins, you know, Kirk Cousins had a good season. Those are the kind of players that kind of fluctuate up and down, and the team fluctuates with them. You know, Minnesota makes it one year, then they're out a year or two. Then they make it another year, then they'll be out a year or two. Detroit with Jared Goff right now. You know, they, they kind of came close next year, probably going to be a bit lower. Um, you know, even as the team improves, you know, I, I don't know if the quarterback play is going to be that much better than it was this year. So, you know, your goal 
is to improve your team as much as you can in large part through that quarterback position. And the quarterback position is very, very, very difficult, you know, to nail down. But you've only got limited opportunities in the NFL to get a quarterback, right? Quarterbacks aren't available in free agency. Your good quarterbacks are not available. Every now and then you might get a trade for a player, um, typically over some kind of contract dispute. Might be interesting to see what happens with Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, maybe he will be available in a trade, but you know, for the most part, it's kind of older players nearing kind of the end of their careers that, that are more, more available. Um, you know, and you have to look at the draft and, you know, getting a high pick in the draft is certainly no guarantee. And, you know, when you think about it, if you want to have a, a chance to get the best prospect in a draft. And it doesn't mean that getting the number one pick is going to get you the best prospect. Most of the time it doesn't. Most of the time the other other players end up outperforming um, that particular player. But at least you have the opportunity to select any one of those given quarterbacks um, you know, that you can evaluate when you are picking number one. And, you know, I, I always look at it this way and this is why I never understand why teams like the Panthers, the Broncos, a couple years, you know, a couple years ago, they're like, eh, you know, maybe we're good enough with Drew Locke, and you know, we're we're not sold on these other guys, but we really like this cornerback, and the cornerbacks are great; they're terrific players. Um, but you end up passing on a quarterback, and now you're you're completely screwed up. Because now you've gone in a completely different direction. You look at Denver. Denver could have drafted a player like Fields, right? Um, what year was that? 2021 draft? Let me just look that up. I'm pretty sure that they, they were in a position. They, they drafted ninth. I was certain that year. Yeah. So, you know, they, they could have drafted Fields outright. Um, but, you know, they, they felt they were good with where they were at. Now... What what does not taking the quarterback do to the Denver Broncos? It makes you come back the next year, give away a million draft picks to Seattle for a old breaking down quarterback who you gave an extension to for almost $50 million a year. So you've screwed up your cap. You've screwed up your future draft. And the player sucks on top of that. You've completely derailed your franchise because you decided, eh, I'll take the cornerback over the quarterback this year. Because we, we're good with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater or whoever they had. You know, that's that's the nonsense that we look at with the draft. The Atlanta Falcons. Oh, Kyle Pitts. Once in a lifetime. Once in a lifetime tight end. He is so dominant, so great. He's going to change the fortunes of our team. A- Atlanta right now would be beg to have a quarterback on the roster instead of the tight end. It has nothing to do with the tight end. He's he's terrific. You know, is he out of this world? Nah, probably not. You know, the quarterback in Denver is terrific. They suck. The teams suck because those players, you it doesn't change, you know, the overall outcome. You know, you, you have to think about it this way. If I was going to give you a so-so quarterback. If I, if I was just going to give you, you know, the 20th quarterback in the NFL, and I, I don't even know who that would be. Um, 
Uh, who who would that be? Somebody like let, let's just choose a random player here. Um, take some a uh, Jacoby Brissett. You know, if, if you were going to say, okay, Jacoby Brissett's going to be your quarterback for like the next four years, and at the same time, we'll give you with the money that you're saving on Brissett, you can go out there and you, you can get. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll go crazy. I'll give you, I'll say you, you're going to do so good in the draft. You're going to draft the next Joey Bosa, you know, because you, you're going to, you're going to trade away your top pick because you're, you're happy with a Jacoby Brissett. You're, you're going to do aces on these picks. You're going to draft a Joey Bosa. Um, you are going to draft a Justin Jefferson and you're going to draft a, um, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, Give you good uh, any good cornerback that you want to see. Uh, it's certain if you want to use him. I'm not going to give you Sauce Gardner. Uh, that that guy's too good. Um, you know, you're you're going to hit on all those positions with those draft picks you bring in, but you're locked into Jacoby Brissett as your quarterback for the next four years. Or you're locked into Teddy Bridgewater as your quarterback for the next four years. Or if you want to go on the the younger scale, um, you're you're locked into. Ritter for the next four years, you know, something like that. That's what you're locked into. Do you think that's a playoff team or are you going to have a better playoff team if you happen to be the, the team that drafts Patrick Mahomes, drafts Josh Allen, drafts Joe Burrow, and you fill those roster spots with serviceable pros? Not bad players, serviceable players. Those teams with the quarterbacks year in and year out are going to have the better team. Because that team that's stuck with that that mid-grade quarterback or that lower-grade quarterback, it doesn't matter how good those other two or three pieces are that you bring in. You are not going to be able to overcome the deficiencies at the quarterback position. On top of that, in Fields' case, let's assume Justin Fields goes on to have a good career. I'm not, you know, if he has a great career, that's something different. But let's say he goes on to have a good career. What is he going to look for in a contract? You're looking two years from now at probably having to extend him just based on where the contracts are in the league right now, somewhere around $50 million a season. That's not really a winning formula. That's what the Arizona Cardinals are right now. You know, they're, they're an expensive quarterback with a bunch of guys on the team and he's not a great quarterback and you know they can't build anything sustainable around them and nothing matches up in terms of the the progress of their football team yeah they they're just kind of going in circles and you just start piecing things together like i had a bunch of bears that, it was like a second comment to my first comment that got the the twitter verse even riled up where i mentioned i compared it to the arizona situation said you know you get old and whatever and it's like Bears aren't old. Bears are going to be young. Yeah, they might be young next year. The problem is, unless you get that draft where everybody pans out, um, you know, unless you get that, what's going to happen is you start looking at your window. You start looking at, God, I've got a $50 million quarterback. How am I going to win with him? And your options then become limited because you fall into these traps of like, all right, well, you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna fill out this roster. I, I need to get in an old JJ Watt and I need to bring in I need to, to trade for this receiver because he's a name, but man, 
bringing these guys in and I got 50 million spent on the quarterback. Oh, what am I going to do with the rest of my roster? Well, I don't want to develop rookies because they're not going to help me win. I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to sign a bunch of veterans that make like 1.2 million bucks a year, $2 million a year. And I'll fill my roster up with those guys. And every year I'm just going to, they're all one year deals. And then next year I'll go in and I'll do it again. I'll get a new crop and you, you, you get fired. (laughs) That's what happened in Arizona. And that's what happens in a lot of these places because you've got that giant top line expense and you're, you're just flailing trying to figure out how do I make it work with him? And you can't because, you know, like I discussed last week, when the salary gets too high relative to the performance on the field, you just can't field that team around that kind of player to bring his level up. And, you know, when you look at it and people say, well, you will get a haul for the first pick in the draft. You very well might. Um Will you get three firsts? I don't know, maybe. Two firsts, two seconds, probably. You know, something something like that. You know, you're going to get a big, you know, a big haul uh, of some sort for him. But the first responsibility you have when you're running a team is to make sure your team is the best possible team it can be. So I'm looking at Justin Fields here. And I'm looking at Justin Fields' record as a starter this year is 3-12. Averaged about 150 yards a game. 55 sacks. You know, missed a couple games because of injury. Probably could have missed a couple more, but, you know, good on him for playing. Uh, Absolutely dominant, dynamic rusher. Uh, 1,100 yards. But as a passer, right now... You can't look at those numbers and say, yeah, this is it. Now, he's incredibly dangerous running. The the most dangerous player, certainly since Lamar Jackson at his peak, maybe even better than that. You know, he he was the reason why Chicago had some games where, you know, they, they were competitive. But, you know, for the most part, you know, you, you go to this, they were three and twelve. Yeah, they scored points in a lot of those games and they were fun to watch. And you'd say, well, yeah, it's the fault of the defense. But they also don't sustain a lot of stuff. It's a lot of like you get a big play here, a big play there, typically with him running the ball. And, you know, you kind of get sucked into it. And you're looking at it a lot of times from a fantasy perspective, right? From a fantasy perspective, yeah, he's like a top five player, maybe top three. Fantasy doesn't always translate to the NFL. It doesn't translate all the time to the actual product that's there. Now, this is not a knock on Justin Fields. This is not saying that Justin Fields is not going to be good. He very well might be. You know, he may make that leap next year that sees him throwing for 240 yards a game and rushing still for 750 yards or something on the season. But you can't tell me right now that that's what he is. Because right now, that's not what he is. Right now, he's not a good passer. He's probably not a player that really functions in a structured offense. Credit to the Bears for doing things when when stuff was going really bad early in the season for basically saying, okay, what can he do well? And how do we make sure that he's comfortable uh, being able to do the things that he does well? And that's basically what Chicago did in their, their development of him. 
But it, it's not like... It, this wasn't like Lamar Jackson's MVP season. You know, it, it's not that. You know, Lamar Jackson was probably 200 yards a game. Yeah, 209, 67% completion percentage. And I'm sure he had probably 1,000 yards rushing or some ridiculous number rushing, uh, 1,200. You know, that that's what it was. And you even see the Ravens, you know, just a couple years into his career, if you want to use these two as comparable, the Ravens are kind of hedging their bets, I think, a little bit as to what they want to do because they've seen him start to break down. You know, 12 games last year, 12 games this year. So unless you can look into that crystal ball and tell me from what you've seen from him this year that this is absolutely 100% a franchise quarterback, an elite level franchise quarterback, the best way to move forward if you're Chicago is to bring in another player. Because you have that opportunity. And you're not going to get that opportunity again. Right? I used that Denver example before. You're not going to have that chance. You know, the, the odds... It, you have to hit... You know, it, it's... Well, you're losing, so it's not like you're really... Uh, you know, hitting the lottery. But the odds of getting the number one pick are pretty slim. You know, the odds of just the way the league is structured, the odds of being like a bottom five team year after year after year isn't great. <coughs> and on top of being a bottom team, you have to be a bottom team in a year when there's players worth drafting. You know, the Jets got the number one pick when I was uh, in college. And, you know, you ended up with Keyshawn Johnson. The next year, I think it would have been Orlando Pace. The Jets did go back-to-back years, I believe, with the worst record. Um, you know, and it would have been Orlando Pace. But, you know, Peyton Manning wasn't going to be there. The next year, it would have been Peyton Manning. And Now, Orlando Pace, a Hall of Fame player. The Jets ended up trading out of that. I think they got, is that the Farrier year? Um, anyway, they, they end up trading out of that, I believe. Um, but the point is... It was back-to-back years. You don't have a quarterback prospect. And it's like, you could be really bad. I mean, look look at the look at the Jaguars. Let's imagine the Jaguars hadn't drafted Trevor Lawrence, and they just happened to be awful. And, you know, this was the year they got a high draft pick. It's like there was no prospects for him to take. So it's like you had this awful season... And you've got like nothing to show for it because you you didn't get a you didn't get a player that was really going to move the needle that much for the organization. So you've got to take those opportunities. You've got to take those chances. And the NFL is littered with teams that haven't taken chances. Whether it was the the Jets passing on quarterbacks because they had Christian Hackenberg, you know the Broncos. Washington all these years because they've just happened to have a, a guy on the team. You know, all these, all these teams that are there, you know, it just doesn't make sense the, the way that you approach it. It's like if somebody is going to give me $300, you know, I'm gonna t- I should take that $300. I shouldn't go and say, hey, you know what? I'm happy to trade it for... 
So getting back to the Fields thing, and this goes to where I thought Arizona was wrong. I was wrong in this case because they were right as to how bad Rosen was. It's not saying you get rid of Fields. Even though short-term, all of it makes sense, right? You you bring in the draft picks, and so you get a a first-round pick and a second-round pick this year. You get a first and a second next year. Maybe you get another one a couple years down the line. It all makes sense, right? Or if you're going to draft the quarterback, it all makes sense. You trade away Justin Fields and you get a haul. I don't, I don't know how much you really get for Fields, but, um, you know, I, I don't think that makes sense either because, again, we're, we're trying to minimize our risk, maximize our return. The best way you're going to do that is by having two quarterbacks on the roster because, while I can't say that Justin Fields is going to be a star. I I can't objectively look at anything right now in what he's done in the league and go, "Oh yeah, th- this guy this guy's a stud." You know, Chicago was 3 and 13 this year, or 3 and 14 this year um because of something else. No, if he was that elite of a player, I'm telling you they they would have won more games than that. But I I can't tell you that he's not going to be. I can't tell you that he's not going to get better. You know, Josh Allen got a lot better. Jalen Hurts got a lot better. I can't tell you that he's not going to be in that, you know, that group. You know, that that upper level tier of players. I, I can't tell you that. So I want to hold on to him. And then, you know, you, you run this this other thing. Where it's like, oh, well, now, now you're going to get nothing back for them in the draft. Because you're going to have a rookie who got beat out by Justin Fields, and that's going to make him look bad. Or the rookie is going to beat out Justin Fields, and now he's not worth anything. Sit the rookie. Give Fields that opportunity, you know, to, to win or lose. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. And you're not going to lose value on these guys. You're not going to lose value on a player who's the number one overall pick that hasn't seen the field yet. Why would you lose value? We're in a league where Deshaun Watson hadn't played football in a year, was up on a million different kinds of charges, said, I will never play again for Houston. Houston said, we don't want you to ever play for us again either. You know, what kind of leverage was there for Deshaun Watson? What kind of leverage was there for Houston? Well, enough to get a million first-round picks from Cleveland and for Cleveland to give the guy, what is it, $250, $265 million guaranteed, whatever that crazy number is. Because teams were starved for the quarterback. So they went out there and they basically said, as long as we find two teams, we know we're going to get a giant return on him. And when you, you get into this... It should be the same thing. Now, the, the team does lose a year of being able to develop that player themselves. But, you know, you are... Let me just pull this up here. You're also prepaying their entire contract. So, not only are you trading away a player who, you know, was the top player in the draft, hasn't shown anything on the field that would lead you to believe he shouldn't be the top player in the draft... And, you know, I'm just pulling up Trevor Lawrence's numbers here. He got $24 million of 
a $36 million, a $37 million contract paid in the first year, about, about $25 million. So that's the kind of ratio of payment that the Bears would be making to a number one pick. You know, that's basically like paying to get a draft pick, right? We see teams pay salaries to get a draft pick. We saw the Bears do it this year with a couple of their players. This, in essence, would work the same way. If anything, that should just increase what you get back, not decrease it. And, you know, if Justin Fields isn't any good, okay, you cost yourself. But again, the important thing for your team is finding out who is the guy to play the quarterback position for you. Because I don't want to trade Justin Fields blind, even though, uh, you know, I'll probably get a number one pick for him. I don't want to trade him blind and then have him work out great and have the draft pick not. I want another year to evaluate Justin Fields, but I don't want to evaluate him, end up with a a six-win or a five-win season, bang my head against the wall when next year there's no quarterback for me to draft. Nick had mentioned this to me today. You go back to Dallas years and years and years and years and years ago when they had Troy Aikman. Jimmy Johnson brought another quarterback in. They brought in Walsh. I think that was the supplemental draft. You know, was it a wasted pick? Maybe. But you're you're figuring out what you have at the most important position in football. You know, if I if I'm willing to trade a bazillion picks and give fifty million dollars a year to Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, whatever, why in the world would I not just take a quarterback and hedge my bets? And, you know, if Fields turns out to be good, not great, you'll still get a first-round pick for him. You know, I, I don't think you'll get more than that for him, but I, I think that's what you would get for him. If he turns out to be great, you'll still get your return on those other players. <coughs> you know, on the, on, the, uh, on the rookie player. You know, and if the rookie turns out to be, um, you know, great and Fields stinks... Well, doesn't matter. You got the great quarterback. So, you know, th- this is the way that you, you really want to work in the NFL. And, you know, the Bears have a ton of cap room. But, you know, it, it's it's kind of a weird thing. You don't have a good year of free agency. So it, it's not like you've got the greatest of opportunities to improve your team. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why they made a bad trade for the receiver from Pittsburgh where they gave up, uh, you know, a second-round pick. People are saying now, well, it's kind of like a first rounder because Miami forfeited their pick. But yeah, it's the top pick of the second round. Um, You know, in large part, I think that's because there was no other guys available. Um, You know, so that they just were like, all right, well, let's, you know, let's bring him in. Let's see what we can do. Um, You know, so they might not have that ability to, to really go crazy and, you know, whatever you would like to think. And, you know, after another year, Fields is going to look for an extension as long as he's got a decent season. And decent might be 170 yards passing a game, but another, you know, 1,000 yards rushing. And you might only have six wins or five wins, and that's going to be looked at as improvement. And you're going to be looking at it like, well, you don't have an option 
because there are no other quarterback options. So you would be, it would just not be in the best interest of the Chicago Bears to not draft a quarterback. You know, and it just resets everything. You know, you get your original pick back for Fields, maybe a little bit more than that. You know, if he if he turns out to be okay, you get a cheap player at the most expensive position in football. Right, you're going to get a player who is going to average about ten million dollars a year, and hypothetically, uh, he might give you anywhere from forty-five to fifty million dollars in performance. That gives you a lot of money to spend year after year after year. And given that Chicago's in a unique position that they've got their salary cap solved now, that really would give Chicago this great window of opportunity because you'd have him as a rookie next year. And while I said it's not a great free agent class, you know, there's some players you're going to bring in. And, you know, it gives you an ability to to build a decent team for 2023 and 2024. And if you've moved Fields out without the extension, and he's not that elite player, let's say that's what transpires, you have the ability in year three to reset again with all the salary cap room you have and continue to add to the mix. You'll be able to do it if you don't go too crazy in 2024 and again in 2025. So you've got a big window where you can really spend a lot if you've got the rookie at $10 million a season. Again, give or take a little bit. It's different if you have fields at $50 million a year. right? That, that, that changes it. Basically, that gives you next year to spend, which probably isn't great, and maybe a little bit in 2024. And then you're starting to put a lot of your assets in, in the quarterback. And that, then you're going to try to, to work around that. Now you're going to have those extra draft selections. And, you know, you hope you do well with them, um, you know, because you traded that pick away. But those guys are all going to have to hit. And, you know, it's not like they come in all at once either. You know, it's going to be a first round pick this year, a first round pick next year, maybe a first round pick the following year. You know, it's uh, it's going to fluctuate a little bit. Um, you know, it, it's a very interesting discussion to have. But to just throw it out there like, oh, no, the Bears have a franchise quarterback. Like, wh- what are you watching? What what are you looking for in a franchise quarterback that would make you say right now at this second that Justin Fields is in the same class as Mahomes Allen Burrow? What would make you think he's in the same class as the, as the next tier even? You know, right now he's a dynamic runner. You know, and that's what it is. Hedge your bets, do the smart thing, and just take a step back from the fantasy fantasy aspect. Take a step back from, um, you know, how much you like him personally or, uh, you know, what you want to believe. Just take a step back, pretend it's a different team, and say what would that what should that team do? 
you know, and I, I think most people would probably say that. And, you know, the other one that people gave that were saying was like, oh, well, that's going to send such a bad signal to the locker room. What locker room? The Bears are turning that team over. You, you think these guys on this team are going to be here for the long haul? There's a couple of players who will be. Most of them aren't. You know, you, you turn these teams over so quick that the locker room stuff has become um, pretty out there. there. There are messages that you send to agents, you know, and ag- agents might steer certain players away, you know, if money is relatively equal. Oh, sorry, just got a text here. That's eh, all stuff for tomorrow. Okay. Um, now I just lost my train of thought there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you're the Bears, you know this is not this is not just the phone lines are open for business. This isn't that. You know, I I could see if you were the Jaguars in this spot. You know, you would say, all right, the phone lines are open. You know, if you were the Colts a couple of years ago with Andrew Luck, if you were the Kansas City Chiefs after the second year with Patrick Mahomes, I I, I would get it with those types of players. Um, you know, if you, if you fell into this pick. But it's not like the Bears fell into this pick because they had made another trade and they got the pick. The Bears got this pick because they won three games this year. Fix yourself. All the other stuff will, will work for you. But at least have the discussion as to what would be the benefits of bringing in another quarterback. And I think if you, you really you start to weigh the finances, the upside, um, the trade value that would remain with both he and Fields, I, I, think, you, you, I think it's a no-brainer to kind of come to the conclusion that you draft the quarterback and you let things play out on the field and then you you worry about getting whatever kind of trade chips you can the following year. That's the best path for the Chicago Bears to be relevant in the NFC North. Relevant in the NFC. I think that's that's a, a lot better path. Now, Maybe they're convinced otherwise. Um, they probably will be convinced otherwise. But it, it's a discussion that you, you should be having. And, you know, th- there's nothing right now in the resume um, for Fields that would make me say it, it's a no-brainer of a uh, of a decision. Um, so the, the only other thing I wanted to mention before getting into the Q&A stuff tonight was... How much this seventh seed in the, the playoffs stinks? I, I, I get it. I, I get what the NFL is doing here. There was no way to have a 17th game and not have an extra playoff team. You know, because the games in week 16 used to be meaningless. You'd get 16 and 17 as being meaningless without it. I get that. I get they wanted the extra playoff games. You know, this is ridiculous marketing. It's super wild card weekend. What makes it super? I get to watch Geno Smith. I get to watch whatever the Dolphins trot out there. Yeah, maybe these teams will pull off an upset. Who knows? Um, I think it does a disservice to the NFL to 
to the game itself to have this type of playoff schedule. When we look historically at the NFL and we look historically at the playoffs, it is once in a blue moon that you get teams and you go, ah, you know, that wasn't fair that that team didn't make the playoffs, right? You know, the the Jets maybe in 2015, the Patriots, um, is that 2008? When I think the Patriots won 11. You know, every now and then you will get these teams that would reach 10 games, you know, they'd be 10 and six and they don't make the playoffs. And, you know, it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, they, they probably deserve to make it, but that's few and far between more often than not, you know, the six seed, a lot of times you look at and you're like, oof, that team really belong in the playoffs. You know, the, the, the wild card, you know, teams a lot of times used to be like way, way, way lower than the other ones. And, you know, the other thing that I don't like about it is you're only giving one team a buy. And again, if we look historically at it, there are more teams when you're talking about this kind of format, teams that finish one and two are more deserving that that team that finishes second most years is deserving of a first round buy based on their record. You know, we're looking at teams this year, 14 and 13. Uh, and on the other side, you actually had two 13 win teams um, plus the 14 win Eagles. And, you know, those teams in many different seasons, you get that. You get two teams that really do go through that regular season and are so much better than everybody else. They deserve a first round buy. And I don't think that it's really fair to, to Buffalo, um, you know, to, to have to go out there and play Miami, I guess is who they're playing. Right. Or for um, who's the two seed? I mean, you could you could choose either team in the NFC, whether it's San Francisco or Minnesota. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's really fair. And more often than not, I don't think anyone would ever have a problem with saying, okay, those two teams really deserve to get a bye week. And the other teams probably didn't. And so now you, you've got this to where you've got the team with the second best record having to play an extra game. And, you know, the way things go in the NFL, you know, even though, yeah, the, the Bills are a lot better than the Dolphins and, you know, the, 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 yeah, the, these teams are better. But, you know, the, the way parity and stuff is in the, in the league, you might get knocked off. And that's not good. That, that's not really fair for those teams. It's not fair um, really for the people watching the entire set of the playoffs. You know, and I am sure there will be a day, who knows, maybe it'll be this year, though it's hard to believe this year, but, you know, there there might be a day when one of these seven seeds goes on that streak and, you know, wins a Super Bowl, but you know, it just seems undeserving. Um, so I, I am not a fan of this at all, uh, the way they do this. I think it significantly hurts the teams that deserve a buy. Uh, and it rewards teams that do not belong in the playoffs and probably more often than not is giving you kind of a lousy football matchup. Um, so I, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of it at all. Um, you know, I, I they're never going to go back to the other way, but they, they, they need to figure out, I think a little bit of a different formula, um, you know, for, for how this, how this works, because, uh, you know, th- this kind of stinks. I-, I think I'd rather just see a, uh, 
I don't know, like a playing game or something, um, you know, between a six and a seven seed and, uh, you know, go back to that. <clears throat> um, anyway, that was just uh, just something um, there because the, these, the, the seasons that we see here, I think, are more typical um, than the other way around, which is you want that extra playoff team to reward those couple of seasons where you do get a, a bunch of teams that make it to 10 or in this case now with the extra game, maybe 11 wins and somehow don't make the playoffs. All right, let's start taking a look at some questions here. Okay, this is from John. It's that time of year where the college football players are making decisions between turning pro and returning to college. Um, often when a player decides to return to school, you see all the praise for how they want to turn themselves into a first-round pick. Uh, my question is how high does one need to be drafted in the first round the following year to make up for the fact? Um, it depends on the positions that you play. You know, if you are a running back, and I discussed this a little bit last week where we started talking about the money. If you're running back and you get some money while playing in college, the odds are against you of getting a meaningful second contract anyway. So it probably doesn't mean that much. Um, you know, for other positions, it's it's different. You know, it depends. You know, how early do you want to get that payday? Um you know, what, what are the odds of getting whatever? You know, I, I think the way that I would look at it is that if you are an offensive lineman, if you're a defensive tackle, if you're a quarterback, um, those are positions that often can see a third contract in the NFL, safety maybe even. Um, so if I can get to a third contract, I actually probably want to get into the NFL sooner. Uh, because I don't want to have a point to where um, maybe they're questioning giving me a third contract because of that extra year of age. Um, so I, I think that would be the case in the other positions. It, it's, you know, I, it probably doesn't change things too much one way or the other. Um, you know, but I, I think... If you're talking about how high do they need to be drafted to, to make it up, you know, it depends. You know, I, I think the rule of thumb is if you're not a, if you're not going to be drafted in the first three rounds, you probably don't want to rush into the league because you're just going to end up being cut. Um, when you get those draft grades, second and first round specifically, but occasionally third round as well, you know, you're going to get claimed, you're going to get opportunities if you're released, you're going to get opportunities if you're cut. So I, I don't think it's a question of how high, I think it's just a question of where you're going to go overall. Um, but I think there's certain situations where staying in college probably makes sense. Um, you know, but if you were going to be, you know, if you were going to be a fringe first round pick, um, you know, if you give up... Um, going into the draft, you probably need to move yourself into the top 10. You know, if you get into the top 10, that changes your status for your career. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's kind of the rule of thumb. It's like top 10 picks have like this, this huge amount of leeway they get for their entire careers, unless they're really bad. Um, then the next level is being a first rounder. Then the next level is a second rounder. And then it's that you know, third round, you know, whatever. So I think if you're just, just 
speaking in generalities, if you're a fringe first rounder, um, you need to use that extra year to somehow work yourself at least into the top 15, but probably the top 10. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. I know I had some other questions here. Um, Yavin, uh, do you think the Colts bring back Chris Ballard? Uh, and should they? Yeah, they probably will. Oh, no, I think they definitely will. And yeah, you know, they. I don't think he's done a terrible job. I think they're very limited with what they can do there. Uh, what are the fight in 49ers do with Garoppolo? Uh, how does their cap look going in the next year? Um, let me look at their cap. I, I don't think their cap is very good next year. You know, I, I think you let Garoppolo walk at this point. You know, you, you've got Lance. Um, you know, you trust in the coach to get something out of these guys the way they did. Yeah, they have about, uh, you know, when you look at the draft and everything else, you know, they don't have a lot going for them. Uh, you know, about $14 million. Uh, so a crazy theory that surmised the Cardinals should trade away Kyler and in return for picks, use their own for, uh, top five first rounder to draft one of the top quarterbacks. Is this feasible or should I stay off social media? Uh, I would not do that. Um, you've paid too much into Murray and the, the cost to trade him, I think would be pretty big. Let me just look at the structure on the deal. Maybe he's got an option in there that I'm not thinking about. Um, let's see, Kyler Murray. So he must have an option in there. I'm, I'm not looking on the back end on this. Um, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't entertain that idea. It's just too much. You, you already screwed yourself over by doing the deal. If you had to pick any team that was a quarterback away like the Rams and Bucks the last few years, what would that team be? Um... Oh, man, actually being a quarterback away. That's a tough one. Um, you know, Purdy's played pretty good, but I would say San Francisco. I think San Francisco's a team where if you threw, like, a real quality quarterback on there, and maybe this kid will be that, Um you know, I, I think they, they would really take a leap. And that, you know, they're a 13-win team, so it's kind of hard to say, oh, they're quarterback away. I, I don't know if I really trust them in the playoffs. Um, I think that's a team that I would look at. Miami would probably be the other team. Um, let me see if I have anything else in my email. I thought I did, but maybe I... Maybe not. Um, all right, I think that's it for there. So let's check out Twitter. And let's see. Eh, a couple questions this is from Twitter. All right, let's get to the. Fifth Chamber. Would another team feasibly trade for Conklin or Uzama given their 2023 cap hits? Um, what are their, Let me see what their cap hits are because I, I think a lot of that is guaranteed. Uh, let's see. 2023. Where is Conklin on here? Oh, our 
I gotta get Nick to we can we can just dump twenty twenty two because our numbers are off. Um, just the the order of the numbers are off. That's why I'm not seeing them there. You know, Conklin costs six one. You know, be about a seven million dollar cap hit for another team. I think you might be able to talk a team into Conklin. Uzama, no, there's no chance on that one. Um, but I would say unlikely. You know that uh, a team would trade for both of those, but I, you know Conklin maybe there's a little chance because I think he's a little bit more of a receiver. Well, the Bengals pay Burrow, Chase, and Higgins. That's an interesting question, uh, and we're soon going to start to find out the answers for those kind of things. Um, I'm going to guess that they would, uh, because I mean we, we did see them remember have guys like uh, you know Carson Palmer and. Um, you know, Chad Johnson and stuff like that. So I'm going to guess that they will. But I do think it's very interesting whenever you talk about the Bengals and money. Max, how would you grade the job of Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, and Michael Floor up to this point? Wow, that that is a that's a tough question. You know, I mentioned I mentioned it on Twitter. I said I have a hard time even figuring out like how you look at the Jets. Like that's in a sense, it's their best year since 2015. But I still feel like they're nowhere. Um, I think at this point, the offensive coordinator just gets an F. Uh, they've developed nobody. The offense has just gone sideways. You saw even the receiver, you know, Wilson was kind of saying, I think teams know what we're doing. Um, you were in at the last three games of the year. Scored 15 points in three games. Um, you know, that, that's an F Sala. He's not reinventing the wheel. Um, you know, the stuff that he did well at the beginning of the year, which was, you have the team ready to go, ready to go, ready to go. Did not exist in the last four weeks of the year at all. Um, you know, some of his stuff is nonsensical. You know, we're looking to finish the season strong. <laughs> was one of his quotes this week. He fin- finish it strong. You, you lost six games in a row. What difference would it have made if you beat Miami? That was going to be a strong finish or the, the other crazy one where he talked about Flacco being the winter truck or something like that. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, D, C minus D. Uh, Joe Douglas can't be any better than a C minus. Maybe a D. I, I, you know, it's like... He's so hit or miss. Um, you know, and this is the exact reason why the overconfidence in the draft thing is so ridiculous when people go nuts about it. And they're like, well, in Douglas we trust, or in this guy we trust, or whatever. Joe Douglas had an absolute home run of a draft this year, right? He's got the uh, defensive rookie of the year. That shouldn't even be in question. And might have the offensive rookie of the year. Uh, Brees Hall was a solid pick, Um you know, I, I don't agree with that trade up, but you know, he had a solid games, couple games before his, uh, you know, I think it was ACL, right? Um, before he got hurt, and you know, Johnson, you know, looked okay, but this is the same guy that brought you Gardner. He's the same guy that has brought to you the worst draft pick, certainly of the modern CBA era, and arguably since Jamarcus Russell. You know, you, you can probably make some arguments because of the finances about other players. But taking the finances out of it, I mean, this is a historically bad pick. 
and you go to the draft before that with Becton and Mims, I mean, it's a total wasted draft. So, you know, and the, the stuff in free agency, it's all just like, you know, there's a Lake and Tomlinson who's just, you know, a mess. And then there's a DJ Reed who's like a pro bowler. So it's like there's very little in between with him. It's like really good or just nah, non-existent. Um, so I, I can't give it a C. I, I don't know if a D is too low. So maybe a C minus, um, D plus if you do such a thing. Uh, you know, it's not, it, they haven't, you know, it's just the same old stuff. You're just going around in circles. Zach, is Goff more likely to get a pay cut a la Jimmy G or cut outright? Uh, off of this season, there is no way they will cut him outright. I don't even know if they'll do a pay cut with him. Maybe. Um, but I, I don't think he'll get cut. I don't, I don't think there's, there's any way that he'll get released. And I, I would actually say that maybe they won't even do a pay cut. I mean, they could look to do a little extension. Um, you know, where you kind of decrease some of the money, but you guarantee it. So he'll earn more, but you get him down to like a more reasonable figure. But I, I think he'll, he'll get by. Butchie, can Nelly play quarterback for the Jets? Can't be any worse than what they had. Tom, uh, what realistic options do the Pats have with Johnny Smith? Post June one release trade, keep for one more year. Um, did they give him a third year guarantee? Such an awful contract. They obviously had something on him. Yeah, they're they're screwed. Um, yeah, they, they they did a third year guarantee on him. I mean, just an awful contract. It was awful the minute they signed it. Um, remains awful. Uh, yeah, you, you're not going to June want him. You'd have to carry him at 17. You're not going to find anyone to trade for him. I mean, the 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 best thing that you could probably do is go with the approach of. Hey man, if you get released, you're going to collect your 6.25 million from us that's guaranteed and you know, you'll get paid the minimum. So you're only going to collect 625 on the year. Want to stay here, play for the 625, you can earn the extra money back in incentives. So I, I think that would be the thing to do would be look to take his uh, P5 down from 10 to uh, 625. Maybe even maybe do the same with the per game bonus in there as well. Um, you know, just eliminate it entirely and just roll that difference of about $4 million or $5 million if you get rid of the per gamers, um, you know, into some type of performance figures because he, he's awful. You know, he's just so overpaid. But it, it was one of those deals, the minute that you saw it, you knew there was almost no chance of it working. Uh, Robert, Geno Smith situation, your thoughts on his upcoming contract with the Seahawks? Um are you hoping for a two or three year deal? No, if I'm the Seahawks, you know, I I don't want to, you know, I, I'm going to, unless there's no quarterbacks high in the draft, I'm drafting a quarterback. You know, I think I'd rather tag Geno Smith than do some crazy extension. You know, if I'm, if I'm agreeable to tag him, I'll do an extension that guarantees him 30 um, over the course of two years. You know, twenty million this year, ten million next year, and something like that. But I, I don't think I'd want to do any kind of long term whatever. You know, I, I, I just don't, I don't buy into the 
Geno Smith is the answer. Geno Smith is the solution. And it's only going to get worse when you pay him, you know. It's no different than when the Jets paid Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's like these guys are great. They're great stories when they're making a couple million a year. And, you know, then when you're like Nick Foles and you're like Mike Glennon and you're like, like Brock Osweiler, you're like Ryan Fitzpatrick, you just want to bang your head against the wall. Uh, Bob, from a team building approach, should the Bears try and get a haul for number one or double down in the quarterback position? Well, I think I answered that one. That's a double down. Uh, if Rodgers were to be traded, what would his contract situation be like? So the team that would trade for Aaron Rodgers um, would owe him a lot of money. Um, Aaron Rodgers would be owed $60 million next year by a team acquiring him. That would not all count on the cap. Um, you know, the cap number would be pretty low, relatively low. And I believe the rest of his guarantees kick in. No, the following year they kick in. So, yeah, they'd be on the hook next year for about $60 million bucks. Andy, is it a formal rule that you have to let coordinators interview for head coach jobs? Can you sign someone to a contract with a lot of guaranteed money and say you can't interview anywhere for at least four years or something like that? Uh, I, I'm not really sure of that. Um, but I don't, I don't think you can do the latter. I, I think they, they have rules that, um, you know, kind of block you from um, blocking people from taking an upward position, I think. Uh, but I'm, I'm not up on those rules enough to say. Garrett, who's the Jets' most realistic option at quarterback? Does it make sense to trade for Lamar? That's an interesting one. You know, would you trade for Lamar Jackson and give him his $50 million a year deal, all guaranteed? I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, he would give the Jets a dynamic player. He would give the Jets um, a nice little pairing with Garrett Wilson assuming he would not be part of the trade. Um, you know, you would make the Jets relevant and you're going to have to keep your fingers crossed that he doesn't get hurt. Um, I, you know, if you're going to go the veteran route, I would probably take my chance doing that rather than going the Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo route. Cause at least you're swinging up for a home run hit there. Um, but I, I, you know, the most realistic option for the Jets is probably Garoppolo or Carr. Uh, but you know, if if Baltimore is open for business, you you gotta at least make a call, right? Uh, hypothetically, if the Bears keep the number one overall pick and take quarterback, what's Fields' trades value? Value that's from Steven. Uh, I would guess a, a first round pick, maybe one in like a three that could escalate up. You know, a lot of people. Again, this is where you get into these things. It's like, oh, well, Fields is, you know, he's so great. Fields, you know, when I had that question before about like first round value, where I said, you want to get in that top 10, a lot of teams passed on Justin Fields. And there's going to be a lot of teams that do not look at Justin Fields as like a top line quarterback. Now, a team like the Jets would probably give you a little bit more because you're maybe a bit desperate at the position. Um but I think you would basically get back what you, you used on him, maybe a little bit more. Um, but I, I don't think I, I don't think it would be like, oh, well, you're getting two first round picks and I, I don't see that right now. 
Rebuild health rankings if you're a non-playoff team. Uh, which would you most like or least like to take over? That's a great question. That's probably good for a topic. Um, let's just see. You know, I, I would say the, the teams that are the worst to take over at the moment are those teams that are, you know, in a salary cap disaster and, um, you know, are, are just, you know, there, there's nothing good there. Uh, the Saints, I think, would be a nightmare to take over. I think Tennessee would be an awful team to take over. Um, I'll tell you one that would be an awful team to take over, and that's Green Bay. Um, Green Bay, you're going in there and you got to deal with this Rodgers fallout, Rodgers mess. You, you miss the playoffs. You've still got no cap room. That that's a that's a bad one. Um, I don't think Carolina is a great one either to take over. Um, of the non-playoff teams, you know what are good situations? The Bears right now. You, know, you got the number one overall pick, and you got all this cap space. So I like. Uh, I think I like. I'd like working with the Bears roster. That that's almost like a, a complete clean slate that you get to work with. Um, of the other non-playoff teams. Yeah, that, that's really the one that I think I'd like to work with would be that one. The Steelers would be kind of fun. Um, you know, the, I, I, you hate to say it because of Watson. The Browns, I think it'd be an intriguing job. Um, you know, because you've got a lot of flexibility with the cap. You've got a lot of pieces on that roster. You know, it's just kind of like, eh, do you really want to deal with the whole Deshaun Watson thing? Yeah, maybe not. But, um, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll try to do a whole thing on that because I, I think that's uh, that's a pretty good one. And, um, you know, at some point I usually will I'll try to do a cap health ranking or maybe Brad will do something on PFF um, you know, and take a look at that. Brian, what do you expect from the Dolphins this offseason? Doubt they'll be looking to extend the players. They don't have to. Um so I never know what to expect sometimes from the Dolphins, right? A couple of years ago, they signed a bunch of guys and then traded them all away or cut them the next year and pissed the coach off. So, I mean, maybe they'll do some stuff like that. Uh, I, I'm going to guess it would be how much pressure they get from ownership to make moves. Um, I think if the Dolphins had missed the playoffs this year, this season would have been a catastrophe for them. Right, you traded away a lot of stuff. You spent a lot of money. Um, you know, th this season would have been a catastrophe. At least you made the playoffs. Now, if you make the playoffs and Tua doesn't play, and you just get walloped by the Bills, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on them to to add a lot more pieces. I don't know what those will be. I don't think it'll be a quarterback, but I think there's going to be pressure on them to to make changes somewhere. Um, so I, I I have a hard time thinking that they'll actually stand pat. I think you're going to see them probably go down a rabbit hole where they're they're just going to create you know they're they're just going to keep digging a hole deeper and deeper and deeper, trying to be relevant. Uh, the impact the upcoming uh, Burrow Browns negotiations will have on Lamar and the other quarterback contracts, knowing there's no chance Mike Brown is going to entertain even remotely close to a fully guaranteed deal ever. 
Um, not much to knock Burrow on. So I, I think what the Bengals are going to do is the Bengals are going to look to do a deal with him that's going to be very similar to the Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen deals, meaning Allen's, I think, is six in length. This one is uh, Mahomes is 10. Let's split the difference. Let's call it an eight-year deal. I think that's the that's what their Bengals are going to look for. They're going to look at this like, okay, if we're going to give you all this money, we're going to give you this kind of contract, we want certainty that this is going to be the contract for the next eight years, you know, something like that. Um, they did that, obviously, with Carson Palmer years ago. Uh, landscape was different. That was one of the things that uh, teams did with some of these contracts. But I think that's what they're going to look for. Yeah, they're not going to do the guarantee thing. Uh, how much impact that'll have on Jackson? I don't know. You know, it's, uh, I don't think that there's, I don't think there's much for him to stand on when negotiating with the Ravens as to getting a fully guaranteed deal. Um, but I don't think this will change his opinion, uh, that he should get one. But, uh, yeah, the Burrow negotiations will be interesting. Uh, Ricker, how would you approach the Giants offseason? Um... Very guarded optimism. <laughs> I think I'd try to send a very realistic signal to the fan base that, uh, you know, th- this is a process. We're rebuilding. We're still finding our way. Um, you know, I-, I liken this a lot to, I think, the Jets in 2006. There- there's been a couple teams I've probably said that about. But, um, you know, where y- you get this kind of out of nowhere push to get in the playoffs, but when you take a look at your roster, you're like, yeah, we're not a playoff team. Um, you know, the Bills a couple of years ago were kind of like that. So I, I think that you, you you don't do anything crazy. I think you just kind of stay the course. You keep adding some core pieces to the team and, you know, work your way out of some of these bad contracts, you know, and just continue trying to, you know, get better via the draft. Mike, uh, will the Bills and Bengals players get their paychecks for the game that was suspended? Are there any other contract issues that could come up? So, yeah, they'll get paid because at the, you get paid for bye week. So, obviously, you're going to get paid for the game. I would believe because they actually did have a um, uh, active list, even though they, they called a no, no game. Oh, excuse me. Um. I would imagine that I guess there could be questions as to whether or not they get their per game bonus. Uh, I don't know how many players had them that were involved in that game, but my take on it would be that if you suited up for that game and you were on the active list, you should get paid your, your per gamer for that. Um, But at the same time, the game didn't count, but I, I would guess they would get paid for that. I think the other one, and you'd have to look to see who it actually impacts, but the incentives um, the incentives that exist in contracts, you know, you lost an opportunity to get them. Your incentives were based on statistical production over 17 games, and you lost a game. So for some players, that, that could hurt you. Um, question on Kyler Murray pro to see if he's a pre-June 1 trade Arizona would take on 43-2 in dead money 
Uh, if he's a post-June one trade, Arizona would save three million. So remember, on the post-June ones, you, you you have to carry the guys at their full cap number. Um, let me just see. Let me pull up Murray again. Maybe I'll have to do a Murray post. I, I'm surprised there's questions about trading Kyler Murray. Man, people are down on him. Um, so if you traded Murray post-June 1, you'd have 13 dead and then 46 the following year. So yeah, you'd have 46 to the following year. It might be a little bit less than that because I think there's an option bonus in here. Though on a June one, that probably doesn't transfer. Let me see if he has an option. Why do I have that in as a cash bonus? All right, I actually have something incorrect here, but yeah, he has an option. So it depends on the date of that option. Um, I don't have the date in my easy-to-find notes. I might have it on his page. No, apparently not. Um, I'd have to look. I'll, I'll have to look into that. My assumption is the option to be paid out. So I, I think the numbers would be right. That's the forty-six-two that you're deferring to twenty-twenty-four. Um, but yeah, uh, Ricker Daniel Jones is reported to have a new contract in the works. What do you think it'll be for? What do you think it should be for? Can the Giants work out the same uh, with Kenny Galladay that the Saints did with Michael Thomas? Uh, if the Giants did anything like that with Galladay, it would have had to have been done already. Not saying it wasn't. The Giants had until Saturday at four p.m. to do it. So it's possible. Um, you know, that something could have been done Saturday and hasn't been officially, like, filed or anyone has found out about it. Um, so they could do something like that, but I, I can't guarantee that they did. Um, as for a contract for Joe, I mean, I wouldn't pay him more than, like, $20 million a year, 22 You know, you can throw him a bunch of incentives, but, I mean, I don't know. I, I just don't, I, I don't see the upside in Daniel Jones. Um, you know, to where, to where you want to pay anything significant for them. All right, let's take a look. couple more questions, then we call it a night. Uh, Josh, what are some interesting cut candidates? Uh, I, I got to start looking at those. I got I to get, once I get my uh, feet under me next, after this upcoming weekend... Uh, I'm going to start to put together some lists of that stuff. Um, yeah, I don't want to go right off the top of my head and just make up stuff that's no good. Uh, Tom, if you were the Bears GM, would you trade the pick or trade fields and take a quarterback? I'd keep both. Um, I would not trade either. Dave, Bears trade first overall pick for Justin Jefferson. Who says no? Uh, would you like the steal for either team? The amount of cap space the Bears have, could they absorb a massive extension? No problem. Minnesota could get a quarterback in the future, also trade Cousins. Um, so in that scenario, I don't think Minnesota, I don't think Cousins would waive his no trade if they did that. I think he'd be, petty might not be the word, but I think he'd be pretty upset that they traded for Fields. Um, I don't think the I don't think the Vikings would trade um, Justin Jefferson. Uh 
I'm sorry, not not for Fields. Um, you know, I, I don't think they would trade Justin Jefferson for that draft pick. Um, I think they they are going to figure that they can piece things together. Um, it's an it's an interesting proposal. Um, the Bears should say no to that trade. Um, Yeah, I, I think the Bears would say no to that trade. That's not enough for a quarterback. Uh, even even though Jefferson's awesome, um, it's not enough. And and I love Jefferson, but yeah, I, I wouldn't. I don't think I would do that. Um, what are some possible extensions look like for the Eagles? Oh, uh, Jalen Hurts is going to be the interesting one. Um, you know, based on what they did with Carson Wentz. You know, I would guess they offer him like 45-ish. Uh, but at the same time, they might look at what they did with Carson Wentz and say, maybe we don't want to rush into this one. Uh, Johnson, I, I don't know. I'm not sure on Edwards either. Uh, I, I don't know what they'll do with those guys. Um, yeah, they, they may just decide to let some people walk. Uh, let's see. How can the Panthers clean up some cap room? Um Let's take a look at the Panthers. You know, they're they're a mess. Let's take a look. What do the Panthers have? So you're gonna cut Thompson. That saves you 13. Um, you know, you can restructure your right tackle. You can restructure DJ Moore. Um, you can extend Brian Burns. I mean, you, you can probably create like 30 million in cap space with stuff like that. You know, 30, 35 million, something like that. Uh, what teams are likely to do a full reset in 2023? Uh, I think the Saints are finally at that position. I, I think uh, I think they've finally come to the realization that they can only kick it for so long. And, you know, the, the time has come to kind of start ripping the Band-Aid off. Uh, I think, I don't know if Tennessee will purge their team. Uh, you know, variable's going to have a lot of power there. Um, and I'm sure he doesn't want to go through a complete rebuild, but I, I think those are the two teams I would look at as saying, you know what, they're finally, finally ready to tear it off and just, you know, reset. Uh, what are the... What do you think the Jets do with players like Lawson, C.J. Mosley? What would a restructured deal look like? Um, so Lawson, I think, will be cut uh, or, you know, ma major pay cut. I think C.J. Mosley, the law firm, a pay cut, basically do the Bobby Wagner deal, you know, like $10 million a season. Uh, Minnesota sports suck. Got to say, your last podcast was amazing. Love what you say about teams not using the non-exclusive tag more. I've been saying for years teams should use it. It's cheaper. So it allows a guy to test the market, and if you don't want to match, you get two first. Yep. Well, thank you very much. I don't know if there was a question there, but thank you. Uh, how can the Buccaneers best resolve their cap situation if Brady decides not to retire and wants to play for another team? So maybe they did something similar with Brady to where they're going to have to June one him. You know, again, I, I don't know if they did or did not. Um, you know, they're another team where I don't think they'll hit the emergency reset, but they're at that position as well. You know, you got a lot of guys who are kind of, you know, they're on the wrong side of the age curve. Um, I just don't think they're, they're ready to rip that off completely. I, I don't really know what they do, um, you know, in, in terms of building that team and finding, you know, another option for them. 
Um, you know, I, I guess we wait and see. Um, you know, wait, wait and see uh, as to, you know, how the playoffs go for them and then where they go from there. All right, so I think that does it for me. Um, I know I had mentioned that I'll do a, I'll try maybe next week to do something once the dust settles a little bit as to, you know, maybe the Jets' salary cap situation next year and some stuff we can do with the roster. I, I may try to do if we have it, um, if I have enough time and everything is actually working here, and you know, my son's not fortnighting all over the place uh, over the weekend or something. I may try to do a YouTube video instead and start doing a couple of those and maybe I can just run the, the calculator or I'll run it in Excel on my own, um, you know, and run through the jets and see, you know, where we can get them. But I, I think I probably want to accrue their, some of their incentives and stuff before doing that. Um, but I, maybe I'll do it in both formats. I'll do a video, like a 15 minute video and then do a podcast on it as well. Um, so anyway, everybody have a great week and I'll talk to you all again soon.